Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Mike Brown, author, nerd, and host of the Dark Poutine podcast. Join me and Morgan Knudsen, author, paranormal researcher, and host of the TV shows Paranormal 911 and Haunted Hospitals, as we take you on a journey for the curious about the unseen, the mysterious, and the incredible things happening in the world about us. Welcome to Supernatural Circumstances. I'm feeling a bit under the weather this week, so thankfully we've got a great guest and Morgan has chosen a super creepy legend to talk about. She tells us about dogmen such as the beast of the land between the lakes in Kentucky. This creature is said to resemble a gigantic half-man, half-wolf that walks on two legs and has five-fingered human hands ending in vicious claws. The creature is said to stand over seven feet tall with massive, crushing jaws and glowing eyes. After that, we speak with our guest, Eric Mintel, of Eric Mintel Investigates on Facebook and Bucks County Paranormal Investigations on YouTube. In our chat, Eric shares with us some of his own paranormal experiences over the years, including an encounter at the famous Bray Road site with that famous dogman. Eric is also an accomplished jazz musician, and for more than 25 years has played piano in the Eric Mintel Quartet. After our interview with Eric, we'll play you a piece of his music that he kindly shared, titled appropriately, Bigfoot. Anyway, here's Morgan. This story is the stuff of nightmares. There's no pretty or polite way of unveiling this tale that is kind or easy to the ears of listeners or the eyes of readers, and nor should there be. Often in the world of cryptids, we get caught up in the harrowing adventures or found footage type television shows and films, which frighten us for an hour, but leave little mark after that. For some, the impression left by some of these strange and formidable tales are all too real and life altering. When we think of these places, many times we imagine a land far away from us, a land that is unreachable and presents a kind of safety because of that distance. These lands can seem like fairy tales of long ago in woods, forests, and mountains that exist in our wildest dreams and most terrifying nightmares. Rarely do we associate these tales with anything like a national park, where families go to camp, fish, play, and hike on beautiful summer days and stroll through on the eaves of autumn. However, rumor has long spread at a national park on the borders of Kentucky and Tennessee that has caught the attention of many in the last 20 years. Rumors of a beast, a killer, that runs on two legs, not four. And to add to the menace that may stalk this area, there have been reports that there is more than one. 
From police officers to hikers to hunters, rumors and eyewitness accounts have been coming forward about a pair of upright canids that seem to stalk the woods of the Land Between the Lakes National Park. The Europeans who came to the area and displaced the First Nations families who lived there brought stories of the Rougarou, a shape-shifting being they said was stalking the area and killing the inhabitants at will and with gruesome accuracy. But as the years have passed, there has been no sign that this creature shapeshifts at all, but rather is seen consistently as an upright walking werewolf with a terrifying growl. After uprooting and killing many of the indigenous peoples, the settlers soon learned that the land was not theirs for the taking, and more and more stories began to circulate. Soon, livestock was slaughtered, farms were raided, and animals killed by a terrifying creature no one could control. As time went on, these encounters remained consistent. Boy Scouts, campers, officers, and more were reporting the same wolf-like monsters stalking the park and the roadways near the area on a regular basis. Hunters began to run across carcasses that had been torn to shreds, and according to the local law enforcement, one hunter was reported to have been ripped violently from his tent in the middle of the night and eaten yards away. One of the latest accounts was in 2017 and was described as follows. The area the sighting took place in was a heavily wooded area along the edge of the main road connecting the KY-68 to the Lake Barkley Resort and Marina. Quote, The witness described the creature to be approximately seven to seven and a half feet tall and three feet wide at the shoulders, stocky with matted medium brown hair. She first saw the deer break brush and run alongside her vehicle quickly, dashing in front of her van and across the road. She originally mistook the creature for a tree or a bush, but realized the creature was chasing behind the deer. She said as it passed right outside the driver's side window, it seemed to have a surprised look in its eyes. The creature was so close to the vehicle, she could have reached out and touched it. The creature did not cross in front of her after the deer, and the encounter lasted a few seconds. She could no longer see it as soon as she was out of the headlights. Her husband was also in the vehicle, but only her son saw it as well. I found the witness to be very forthcoming and genuine, describing the sighting she and her son had that evening. End quote. Evidence such as footprints, hair, and nests have all been allegedly discovered, and one emotional eyewitness reported finding the blood-soaked shredded clothing of a young woman on the side of the road. Even more disturbing was the fact that he reported it to police, and he said they laughed it off. When he returned to collect the clothing with his own bag, he told the small-town Monsters producers that the police had arrived on scene, driven over the strange tracks in the mud on the side of the road, took the clothing, and nothing was said again. He later spoke to a family with a missing daughter from the exact time period whose case had not been solved. They told him, allegedly, that she had been out jogging that very day and had not been seen again. In the 1980s, a family who traveled in their RV also decided to camp at Land Between the Lakes, bringing a friend of their sons along with them. Within minutes of arriving and getting the RV settled and ready for some family time in the wilderness, the family friend allegedly said the two large dogmen burst into the campsite and proceeded to attack the father and son, killing both. The second one made for the RV, jamming itself into the RV window like a rabid animal trying to get to the young girl and her mother. The friend, only 13 at the time, reported that he made for a hiding place in the RV as he heard the wife and daughter being murdered. Once the two animals had disappeared, he was able to run for help by flagging down a car on the main road. Officers of an agency 
that remained undisclosed allegedly took him back to the crime scene so he could explain its order and then kindly told him to keep his mouth shut. He did not speak out until this year when he was interviewed by the Cryptid Studies Institute and the interview can be found on YouTube. These horrific accounts are the stuff of nightmares and what makes them even more intriguing is that dogmen in other areas such as Wisconsin and Alberta don't seem to have the same level of temper that bestows the pair reported in the Land Between the Lakes National Park. Often, dogmen have been reported chasing away intruders or following cars. In Alberta, the dogman is quite elusive and shy, often running in the opposite direction when people are about and only coming around in the very early morning or late night when it knows that it can take some cover. In fact, the dogman in Alberta has become quite endeared to the hearts of the people, including myself, who own the property on which it resides, and they all live a very peaceful existence. A similar relationship exists on the farm of Lee Hampel, a Wisconsin hay farmer who lives in the infamous Bray Road with their local dogman, the Beast of Bray Road. Lee has come to know the creature quite well and often leaves food for him in the form of roadkill or leftover meat. The beast will often come in the night to pick up its meal in the form of a strange mist which appears on Lee's trail cams and then, once the mist disappears, so does the food. No attacks have been reported. In fact, one pair of hikers, a father and a daughter, had a unique experience as they were hiking near some trails. Seeing some trees rustling at a height that unnerved them, they walked away from the woods only to see a bird zip out from the tree line, followed by a giant clawed paw-like hand that made for the bird. It missed and then toppled from its spot in the branches and landed with a thud 60 feet beneath the tree. The father, an aerospace engineer, reported that it got to his feet, shook itself off uninjured, and wandered in the opposite direction to attempt to find another meal. Strange encounters, and yet nothing at all, like the pair of brothers that seemed to stalk the LBL with such viciousness and volatility. So what makes these creatures so highly aggressive? There have been many theories over the years if these stories are true, including the idea that they are some kind of government experiment, dog soldiers that went awry and that is indeed why authorities seem to be allegedly going as far as to cover up evidence of their existence. Many national parks, however, are reporting strange disappearances that remain unexplained, such as the Nahani Valley in the Northwest Territories, known as the Headless Valley. Only accessible through river, plain, or foot, a series of terrifying disappearances plagued this location as well. The victims, found with their heads torn off, were a warning to all travelers to keep their distance. Once you travel into the valley, there are a few ways to escape or to call for help, so the mystery as to what has been murdering travelers will perhaps be a conversation for another show. All in all, the land between the lakes and the creatures that are reportedly seen within it still stands as a mystery to many, but to most cryptid hunters and visitors alike, it remains a place where one treads with extreme caution and will forever be known as a place where the dogmen have won their land and we are their unwelcome guests. So hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Supernatural Circumstances, we are really thrilled to have my good friend Eric Mintel with us today, who is the founder, I guess your founder of Bucks County Paranormal and um, has been the feet on the ground along with his amazing team for the Beast of Bray Road, the probably one of the most famous dogman cases, if, for those who haven't heard about it. Uh, and it has so much in common with the Alberta Dogman, who is very dear to my heart. And Eric, we are just super excited to have you today. And thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here, too. This is this is going to be a thrill. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's it's so cool to, to talk to you. I was just on your show here recently and oh. you've got you. You are so similar to Mike and I because you've got the interest in all things weird mm -hmm. and you're also an artist and you bring the arts into into what you do did you start in the arts as a musician a jazz musician and make the transition to the paranormal or was it the other way around how, how did that start for you yeah that's a great question and you know at from a young young age i would say probably three or four years old you know, I, my parents could always find me sitting at the piano. We didn't have much when I was growing up, but we managed to have a piano in the house. And it was in tune, fairly in tune most of the time. But I was uh, I was always at the piano trying to make up my own melodies. It just had a real fascination with the instrument. And that was around three, about three or four years old. And then fast forward to, uh, I guess, uh, when I was 14, um, then I found uh, Dave Brubeck. And... And that was it for me. I just put the record on and I put on Blue Rondo a la Turk and Take Five. And when I heard that music, I had been playing the piano for years, but when I heard that music, you know how you have that epiphany and that light bulb goes off and bam. And I just knew that's what I wanted to play. Even though at the time I didn't know it was jazz, but that's what I knew I wanted to play. And uh, and that led to a whole friendship with Dave Brubeck and he wrote liner notes for my wow. CDs. But going back to the paranormal, and also, at, at a young age, growing up, my father would always, and we live in an area here in Bucks County, which is which is just rich with history. I mean, George Washington came through here. We I live right down the road from where Washington crossed the Delaware. So we've got a lot of ties to the Underground Railroad, just a lot of history here and a lot of paranormal history. It's probably one of the biggest paranormal hotspots on the East Coast. But um, that led to, you know, my father would tell me about stories of ghosts and, uh, and his own experiences and, uh, and with, whether it was UFOs or ghosts. Um, so from a young age, I had that fascination with it. And then as I was going along in my jazz career, then I got married, got divorced, had a child and, you know, life kind of was there and got and not got in the way, but that's, it's part of life. But that paranormal paradox was always in my mind and about 2016 i in october of 2016 i started what was bucks county paranormal investigations which we've now changed it to eric mintel investigates but we started that and we started doing videos and i thought 
you know, I want to talk, I want to tell stories about, um, you know, all of these great locations that we have in our area here and talk about, you know, the, the ghosts and the history, who was part of this. And, um, and so it just kind of evolved from there. And, uh, and like I said, we just have such a great area and so many stories. And I had always been a filmmaker from, you know, from very young too, from like, I guess my early teens. Um, and I was into martial arts for years and I would make my own martial arts videos and we would do all, I would do all the fight choreography with my friends and stuff. So it was always like the editing and all that kind of stuff really just interested me. And so when I had this idea of Bucks County Paranormal Investigations, everything just came together. And like literally within, I would say a week of starting that page, I was getting likes from, and still, I think it's well over 5,000 now, but I mean, just getting likes from all over the world and just people have a great, great interest in the paranormal and, and for what we're doing, you know, and telling stories and it's just been unbelievable, really incredible. Yeah. I so relate to that because I found that myself and I know Mike, we've talked about this before where, you know, there's been so many elements of all these things that we've done over the years that seem to accumulate into being able to pursue something like this going mm -hmm. forward. Like just nothing is, nothing is an accident. Everything that we're doing, you know, will play a role later in the universe, just wastes nothing. Right. Um, you know, you, and you've been doing this at, like you were saying, a, a long time. You've had, you know, a good few years now, I think, with one of the most famous yeah. dog, dogmen, oh, uh, yeah. Beast of Bray Road. What took you to that case specifically? Wow. Well, this, you know, there have been so many different things and how this just came about. And you, what you just said was really cool, too, um, how nothing is an accident, you know, and it's just it still gives me goosebumps just to think that I'm actually doing what I'm doing, where I had this idea of, you know, how how we were talking about manifesting, you know, and how this happened. But um, how this came about was just as as simple as uh, one of our fr uh, friends and fans of our of our paranormal show, Ellen Collins. She always likes what we're doing in our videos. And one of our catchphrases is. It's, and it's a funny catchphrase, but like we always say, look, if you see or hear anything, get on the damn radio. So yeah. let, let us know what's going on. So we're always like, you know, we're always, and that's always like a, bit, a little bit of tongue in cheek kind of thing there. Cause we do have a little bit of humor, but we are very serious when we come into the investigation. But I think humor is key to, you know, to uh, interacting with your audience and connecting with your audience. So we've always had Absolutely. that. So she loved, she always loved that. So uh, I had said to Ellen, I said, man, you know, this, I had heard about the Beast of Bray Road for years, but never really thought too much about it. I, I knew it was there. I knew there was a story and I knew that there was, there was some kind of creature there, but didn't really know too much about it. But Ellen said, you know, we should do a video on the Beast of Bray Road. And I said, well, you know, it would be great to do that. I would love to do that. There's two things, uh, logistics. How could we get out there and who's going to pay for it? Yeah. It's <laughs> not always the yeah. question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh my God. But she said, well, let me crunch some numbers. And she wound up, you know, paying the freight for everything. And we are so grateful for that because, um, we, the first investigation we did was October of 2021. It was October 2nd through the 4th. And, uh, yeah, so I made her executive producer on the video because she uh, she earned that because she really you know paid our way out there and 
and paid everything. So it was a lot, it was incredible, incredible investigation. Um, fast forwarding to the Beast of Bray Road, we get out there and I think I've said this before, like I am going out there thinking that we're going to do this great documentary video. We're gonna to talk to some people. We're gonna hear some great stories and we're going to go out on the farm of Lee Hample at night and do an investigation. Well, not thinking that we'd actually encounter the creature on the night of October 3rd. And oh, wow. we actually hit a trifecta of paranormal activity that night. And it was just, you couldn't have asked for more things to happen within a half hour. So um, I don't know how you want me to go about this here. I know you have some more questions. I, I could go into the story, but it was just absolutely amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, you've been, you've sort of brought it up. So we can we talk about that is, is, you know, with, with dogman cases, I mean, they're, they're really happening all over the world. Like, I mean, like we were talking about yesterday, there just yeah. seems to be this in, insane amount of these stories and people coming forward saying, look, like, you know, we've, we, we've seen this, we've heard of this. Mm -hmm. um, and it is so, I know for Mike and I, it's, it's just been so fascinating just to, to hear these stories. And then for myself, having one living for, for 45 minutes oh, from my house. Yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely, you know, and the thing is we were getting stopped by people tell, I mean, we had our paranormal jackets on, you know, there's a certain look that we have when we go on the investigations. And I, I look at that as like, a, like sort of what my branding is because I want, you know, not thinking that, you know, people are going to stop us, but, but people did stop us. Um, it's, it's certainly for, you know, the video purposes as well. But when we were out there on the, on the plane going out there, on the plane coming back, people just had this really interest and they knew what we were doing. It was amazing that they knew probably the ghost in the Bigfoot gave it away on the jacket, but you know, <laughs> so they, uh, they, they were asked questions, but when we were out there, I mean, we were at a restaurant and people were coming up to us, telling us their stories about seeing this creature. And, uh, while we were out there as well, there was a guy who was a state worker and we couldn't have his face shown, uh, that also gave an account of hearing this, this incredible creature howl like a growl, um, when him and a coworker were going out to fix a power line. Um, and he was just blown away by this and he just could not believe what he was hearing. So we were able to get that in the video as well. But, um, you know, we, I'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, when we got out to Wisconsin, we went right to Lee Hample's farm. And I'll tell you, Lee is just such a great guy. I mean, you've talked to him, I'm sure. And, you know, and, and just his brother, Fred are phenomenal people. Uh, very, very down to earth. And what I love about Lee is he had no interest in the paranormal whatsoever. Yeah, he was a teacher originally, wasn't yeah, he? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he, was, he was a retired math teacher. We call him the math man. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but he is, uh, he's amazing. And you know, the thing is, he had no interest in the paranormal, but he, that his whole world changed when the creature presented itself to him yeah. um, in 2014. And, uh, and basically on this farm, it's a 35 acre hay farm, uh, open space on in the field, but there are trees on the other side. And Lee's farm is only two tenths of a mile from Bray Road. So we took a drone up earlier in the day to see what was going on. And sure enough, you could see these huge cutouts and the corn had been up at that time. It was still up, but you could see the corn cutouts going over across Bray Road into Lee's property 
and then going across again. And these are big cutouts. I mean, this was like, uh, this was not deer or anything like that. Yeah. This was really, really something big. And it wasn't a vehicle either um, because who's no one's going to drive through there. Um, and then across the way, across the uh, Bray Road, there was another cutout in the corn that was going down to the, uh, the quarry. So there could be a living quarters there in the quarry. And then he's got a food source in the corn. He's got, you know, there's roadkill that, that a lot of people have been seeing this, this, it's, you know, this upright canine dogman, obviously, you know, uh, six to seven foot tall, eating roadkill with its hands and people are seeing this. Yeah. So we get out there and with all that knowledge, you know, that, that of this thing, what do we go out with to protect ourselves? A radio and a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, my, my, my naivete as far as like, you know, going on this investigation and not thinking, again, we would encounter anything. I thought we would actually hear a great story and not be lucky enough. Well, well, lucky enough, I would say, to, to capture it on video. Um, but I'll tell you that the night of the investigation was on one of the most spookiest nights we've ever had. Um, joining me on the investigation was Dominic Sattel, who is my paranormal team partner. He's also a spirit medium. And he was the only one that came out with me. And Ellen Collins was on the case as well. So it was me, Dominic, and Ellen. And Ellen's son, Scott, was working the camera and the drones. So there's only four of us. So it was just a four-person crew out there. Um, no one else. And earlier in the day, I had baited this area in, the, in Lee's field where he's been getting a lot of this activity. I baited this particular area with stake bones that we had the night before. And uh, so when I was going back to Lee's, because Lee was, showed us some unbelievable pictures and video that he's got on the farm. I mean, just incredible, incredible pictures. And as we're going back to the farm, I'm thinking to myself, was baiting that area with stake bones a good idea? Right. You know, just because, <laughs> you know, just because, I mean, was that really a good idea? So, so we get back to Lee's and, and we, we look at the pictures, look at his presentation. And I mean, just some of the stuff will blow you away. He's keeping a lot of these pictures close to the vest, rightly so, because there are some there that are beyond explanation. Mm -hmm. um, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, uh, so we went to the, we went and did the investigation. It was around 8.30 uh, when we got done at Lee's uh, presentation and went out to the, to the field. And we thought we'd have to scrub the investigation because it had looked like it was gonna rain. It was really getting, it was really cloudy. So we get out to the field where we're in the bait area. Well, the whole sky cleared up completely and you could see the stars, everything was clear. So the second, literally the second we get off of the, we got, we went out there on the ATVs, we went on the four wheelers and got out there and um, we parked it. Dominic goes, well, I don't want to take the four wheelers down. Well, we, maybe we'll scare it. Well, that was to that theory was out the window when we got down there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we uh we got off we hopped off no sooner do we get off the four-wheelers we dominic looks up and goes what the hell is that and going over the field was a solid orb of light and you know you could see other planes there were planes around there you could see flashing lights on the planes and they were there you could hear them this was just a solid solid orb of light and it was going slowly over the field and then picking up speed and we're still trying to figure out what the heck it is. And Scott pointed the uh, 
the camera and we got it. We got it on video. And it did a 45 degree angle and you could see it right there disappear. It completely disappeared. And it brings me back to what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch. They're getting a lot of these UAPs and UFOs that yep. are just kind of there and then they're yep. disappearing. So that was incredible. And I, when this happened, this was before I saw anything that happened like that on that Skinwalker Ranch episode. So this is something that was in a connection with that. Uh, so right after that, after the, the UFO, we heard in the distance a very faint howl. And I look at Dominic, he looks at me, and then we heard another one that was a little closer. And then on the third howl, we all heard, and it was amazing. We had little lavalier microphones on our collar. And these are just microphones, you know, for close miking. Mm -hmm. This thing was so loud that the microphones picked it up like it was plain as day. And what it was, was exactly what that worker was talking about, this low guttural, yeah. like scream howl type thing, which I'm sure you've heard. And it's like, it's, you don't know what it is, but I knew it wasn't a coyote. It wasn't a wolf. It wasn't a dog. It wasn't a fox, owl, nothing like that. Well, and the set of lungs, like I know um, even the one here, the set of lungs these things have on them is just phenomenal because mm -hmm. the howls tend to just go on and on yeah. and on. And it's this very, very strange combination of, like you were saying, like, like a, a, a wolf howl, howl, howl cut with a, almost a yell. Like it's yeah. very, very weird, like a mishmash of sounds. To me, yeah, to me, it sounded like there. Were, it was a man screaming in the mm -hmm. field. It was just like a man that was like, you know, just like really low scream. And it was like, that changed my whole perspective. I mean, we were like, at that point, we were like, wow, there is something here. And even on the vi on the video with all this other stuff that's going on, I'm like, you know, Lee's got a monster on his farm, you know, <laughs> just thinking, you know, that my God, you know, we're here and we're hearing all this rustling sound going on behind us and we don't, and there's no wind. So that was, that was another thing too. There was like all this like uh, rustling, Dominic kept hearing all this rustling sound going on and I, I was hearing it too. And so then right after the howl, what Lee has also been experiencing, which is really, really interesting, we saw this mist that started coming up from the field. And this mist has been a, has been a thing that has been happening on, on Lee's trail cams. Yeah, um, on ours as well here. Yeah, yep. right? And it, it's like, he has a picture and I'm, I'm not, I don't know if you have this or not, which I'm sure you do, but it's, he's got a picture where you could see the mist and you could see the roadkill that's coming over the, over the, the mist is coming over the roadkill. So in those pictures are about 30 seconds timed apart. So the mist comes and 30 seconds later, the mist is gone and sows the roadkill. And so the deer, the deer that was there. Very, very strange. And this is something you can't explain. I mean, and this, the other thing is though, it's not showing up on the trail cam. Something is not, it's not showing up. So what we were thinking and lee absolutely believes this that we were in some kind of a portal situation that night where there was a lot of electronic disturbances happening uh i forgot to mention earlier in the day scott had his gopro on and uh he was or not the gopro his drone and he wears a uh, uh virtual reality glasses for these for this really high-tech drone that he has 
So as he's following us down into the field that Lee's taking us down to, to the bait area where he's got all this activity, we actually disappeared on his screen. There was an area, yeah, it was so bizarre. There was an area in the field where he couldn't find us. And this is something that we have to keep looking at. And this is another thing we did. You know, now we went back and did a follow-up uh, just in April, and I'll talk about that as well. But my God. So, you know, there is some kind of anomaly happening there. Um, the other thing is, though, the night of the investigation, Lee uh, messaged me, messages me in the morning and says, oh, by the way, that trail cam that, that should have had you guys pictures of, it shut off at 5 o'clock that night, and it didn't come on until 7 o'clock the next morning. So there's no pictures of anything out there. It's so and, weird that th those anomalies that, that you're talking about, because like I've seen that as well at the at the property here, where mm -hmm. um, just very strange electromagnetic jumps that seem to come out of nowhere. I mean, and this the acreage here, there, there's no underground power lines. Or there's nothing. The land has never been developed. Um, wow. And you'll be out in the woods, and literally, like you will see these these weird electromagnetic jumps from nothing, and then you mm. go to turn around and trace it back. And it's gone and mm. it's these really strange just blips that seem to seem to keep happening um wow. which yeah very similar like you know killing equipment killing batteries yeah, um, yeah. the same same type of stuff that that you're you're describing and and that they've they've experienced on skinwalker ranch as well which is it's 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 an interesting piece of this puzzle i think especially yeah. when you've got a you know you've you've got a situation where we've got you know acres of land that mm. you know it's field there's nothing there it's not like you've got power lines hanging over transformers hanging over there's nothing there nothing there yeah and that's and that's the that's the strangest part of all here's another little bit of information too the night of our investigation the entire town of elkhorn went out of power hmm. so that was another thing which was just really strange um so i in the morning, I look in my hotel room and I'm looking down on it. It looks like I brought a stick back from Lee's field. <laughs> and Dominic goes, you brought it back with you, didn't you? <laughs> so, but I was like, wow, you know, and it was just crazy. Um, everything just went out in the town. So that was our experience with the, uh, with the Beast of Bray Road, you know, and we just did this great follow-up in April. Again, thank you, Ellen Collins. She did it again and brought us back out in April from April 28th through May 1st, and we did the Beast of Bray Road, the follow-up, uh, part one, and uh, I'm working on part two, which was part of the investigation. Um, I'm editing that, and that should be ready by the end of the end of the month. But uh, for this particular follow-up, we had we had a town hall meeting on April 28th. I kid you not, 140 people showed up to tell their story about seeing this creature. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who have never been to Bray Road. They've never maybe even heard of this, and this would be the first time they're hearing this. And I would hazard to guess there's some people out there who are thinking, baloney. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Baloney. What, uh, what is it that, how do you get people there when they say to you, baloney? I'm going to tell them, you know, I'm going to get a selfless plug here. Go watch our video on Eric Mintel Investigates on YouTube. It's it's called Beast of Bray Road, uh, Alive and Well. That was our first investigation. And you could see what we caught on video and they can judge for themselves because it's all right there. Um, and including some of the backstory and um, and just all of the, and then they could see the, the part one of our follow-up. 
and you could they could see that these are down to earth people talking about extraordinary things that they're seeing and can't explain yeah i think mm -hmm. that's a piece of this is that you know a lot of these people like they just don't have a dog in the fight and many of these towns whether it be elkhorn wisconsin or um you know some of the the areas around uh like tennessee and kentucky with the land between the lakes um and yeah. that national park um you know it, it it tends to be sort of a mixed bag of people whether you've got some that are just like you know no this this didn't happen um you know it's it's legend it's it's whatever and then you've got the people who are saying no 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 like it, it, this is this has validity to it this something has happened here i've seen it and it's it's really th that dynamic is for me is really really interesting why do you think small towns are so split on this stuff because it's not just places like elkhorn there's there's you know this this seems to be a dynamic around a lot of the towns that are dealing with things like dogmen well you know to be honest with you i haven't really experienced any any kind of like um resistance as far as it, as far as that goes um fortunately i mean you know you'll get the 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 stray comment on facebook oh you know it's a coyote or or why sure. didn't you guys why didn't you guys stay out there why did you get so scared well it wasn't if they know anything about me i'm not going to be one to say let's get out of here for no reason it yeah. was we were i felt like we were in a, da a dangerous situation not knowing what was out there and you know the thing is you know the safety of the team is important too you know um and i would also say hey you know what like you and like me we are boots on the ground investigators we're not behind our our computers yeah. doing all of our googling and whatnot we're actually in the field doing the work yeah. and getting our hands dirty and being right there with 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 what's going on so and if you could see these people that i talked to uh they were just fascinated by the whole thing and um and then in may i i did a talk for mufon uh over here in bucks county um for the one conference and cl close to 200 people showed up for that amazing to, uh, to hear me talk about this so there's a real interest in that and there are, i think yeah. people people are familiar with it but they're getting more familiar with it and yeah what I'm doing and what Lee, what the goal has been for us, and Lee has given us exclusive, you know, filming rights to to film on the property, is to to really get it talked about, have people talk about it, yeah. and that's what we're doing. Because look at the situation that we're in. I think I was telling you too. Like even ten years ago, would we be having this conversation? Exactly. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. <laughs> yeah oh no exactly like and it is it's it's opening up the the doorway i think for for so many people that have had encounters that have had these these remarkable things happen that now can step forward and mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm, I'm finding really interesting just to shift the track a little bit with mm -hmm. these different cases especially um uh, some of the ones that are further south um you know compared to the, the the luck i guess that we've we've had with <laughs> when with our our dog man snoopy here and yeah, uh and, yeah. and your and your guy is that you know they both seem to be very i don't know whether it's used to people or tolerant of people and i've i've you know, over the years of reading these cases I, i've really come to learn how lucky and fortunate we are because there's been these other cases this other segment of cases like the land between the lakes where things have gone so south and they've become so dangerous and i find that dynamic is is really really interesting and in that they, they seem to be aware enough to have personalities 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which is, it's bizarre, but it, you know, and it, it makes you wonder again, like, you know, what, what these things, what is it? You know, it's, yeah. it's clearly not something that's physical because we're getting these strange myths. We're getting these really weird, uh, you know, anomalies that seem to come with them. You know, they're not <clears> showing <throat> up on trail camps. So there's this, this non-physical element that's there. And yet, you know, like you were saying, they walk through a field and they're mowing down corn. They're mowing right. down, you know, like they've got yeah. mass, they've got weight. So it's, and, and again, different personalities, different fur colors, which oh, is, yeah. you know, really strange because typically that's a, an environmental adaptation. Um, so it, there's just some, it's just such a, a bizarre conglomeration of, of features with them. But it, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think I think you're right. I think, you know, you're talking about the the different fur and whatnot, you know, and I think that's probably environmental from different areas that it's had to adapt to. Um, you know, here's the thing. Lee has hair samples, too, where under the microscope, these hair samples are translucent. So is this thing able to cloak itself? Is it that's why it's not being seen on the trail cam? I know that's pretty out there to say. And also, is it interdimensional? You know, that's mm -hmm. another thing. Could this be coming in and out of some kind of dimension um, and it's presenting itself, then it's going away. When Lee saw this for the first time, he said the red glowing eyes were one of the most striking things because, and he didn't have a light source on it. So for something to have that kind of energy um, is got to be, a, first of all, it's got to take massive energy to do that. And in almost in, in a supernatural way. Um, and he said it leaped like 50 feet and then that was it. And it, and a lot of the reports of, of this thing are that it's very fast. Um, yeah. And what I got on this follow-up investigation, which really stuck out, and a couple of people had uh, talked about it, was the strange way this thing walks. And a lot of people have seen this thing. It's almost like it's gliding in one aspect. And the other times, it's um, got this really strange, odd walk to it. Um, when we did the follow-up this particular time, you know, we didn't, you know, not to get the cat out of the bag, but, you know, we didn't experience what we experienced during the first time. Mm. Uh, but I was kind of glad that we didn't because I was like, you know, if we, if we experienced it again, could people be thinking we could be faking this, you know, right. it's there again, you know, but I will say that Lee has had uh, activity ever since we left almost on a daily basis. Um, but we did have a lot of, you'll see in the, in the part two, we had a lot of really weird stuff happen. Um, but again, I just think that, you know, these things are, and, and, and then for me doing the research on it and not knowing that these things are seen all over the world and they're seen, especially in this country, all over the country. And then I'm getting reports from gentlemen uh, a couple of weeks ago that him and his daughter were uh, fishing and, he, he kept hearing all of this, like, like trees falling in, in the, around this fishing area. And he's just thinking that, oh, you know, there was probably somebody like downing trees or something nearby, but they're all like for the, for an hour and a half, he kept hearing trees fall and limbs cracking and whatnot. So they decide to walk out of there and they're walking back to their car. And he happens to look over at this clearing, which had, it was a clearing. And then there was a rock wall. And then there was on top of the rock wall was a pine tree, a couple of pine trees that were way up, 60 feet up. He looks up and sees all of this like rustling going on on top of the, of top of the uh, pine tree and then sees a huge arm come out and try to grab the, a bird. 
Oh, now, now you could say, you could say possibly maybe that's a bear, you know, maybe, maybe that's a bear. When I look at a lot of these cases, when I hear cases, I immediately just try to debunk it right off the bat because I want to make sure what I'm, what I'm hearing is, is not so much the truth, but I want to hear fact from fiction, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I go into a lot of these, believe it or not, skeptically, because I want to, I want to know what is really going on here especially in the ghost situation, but in Bigfoot, Dogman, that's a whole different story now. Yeah. Um, but when he's telling me the story, he says it reaches out, tries to grab this bird, then falls out of the tree, oh, no. falls out 60 feet out of this tree onto the rock ledge, which would kill a normal person. And it gets up, stands up, straightens up. And basically he said from the heel to the hip, it was six feet. And then he said the arms were like another six feet. Wow. It had like oh, these long, long arms and it looked like a, it had like a hyena head. So for all intents and purposes, we're talking about another dog man type of creature here. He said if it reached its arm up, it would have been 12 feet tall. Now he's, he's about three or 400 feet away from this thing. Now his daughter had a different vantage point because she's shorter. So she's not seeing what he's seeing. She sees it but she's not seeing the entire creature. Um, then what really frightened him was that this thing wound up going in the same direction he had to go to go back to his car. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so he's freaking out. I mean, I talked to the guy. He's an aerospace engineer, and I can pretty much tell whether or not somebody's BSing me or what, but this guy was really genuinely scared of what he saw. Yeah, and very you could feel you could feel the uh, the nervous energy, because I've worked a lot of jazz musicians like that too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can tell, but uh, yeah, I mean he's you know so that story. So we're getting other stories coming in, and a lot of these dogman sightings. Now, is this because now it's because it's popular in in culture? Maybe I don't know, but I know that one thing is is clear that like we were talking about. We're in an era. We're in an era right now that even like ten years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about this stuff. So we're we feel comfortable. People feel comfortable now. They're not going to get ridiculed. Some may say yes, it could be baloney, but I think there's a small percentage of those people now. I think you've got a larger percentage, given what we've been through in the pandemic, that all things are possible. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. And and more historical stories are becoming more evident. There, people are telling these stories that you know, had been sort of a secret or just mentioned in passing for mm -hmm. years and years. Like, for example, the uh, Nahani Valley in the Northwest yes. Territories. Mm -hmm. Between 1908 and 1945, uh, five different men uh, were found headless mm. <laughs> there after mm. going in for a variety of reasons like gold mining and, and just exploring. But, mm. uh, and those situations have never been solved either so wow. th there's a lot of really really cool stories like the one that we're telling here and oh yeah and snoopy with morgan and 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 oh, Burfi, yeah. who i say has a german accent yeah. and, <laughs> but uh anyway like all all of these things it's so cool that we can talk about this now without you know st there are still going to be people who are like oh you guys are full of yeah, yeah, yeah. but oh, yeah. whatever um, we're skeptical, which you mentioned skepticism in your oh sure uh, conversation, and 
I think that's an important part of investigation is being healthily skeptical Absolutely. of what we're looking into. I think you're right. You know, and that's the thing. You can't go into all these, you know, saying, oh, my God, every place is haunted. Every place has got a dog man. Every place has Bigfoot. You know, then it would be like, but, you know, then people won't take it seriously. Um, but if we're doing the research and looking at all of these possibilities, talking to witnesses, talking to people that have had these experiences on their property, um, people that have had evidence, um, you know, that's that's the thing with Lee. He's got such a, a large storehouse of evidence, which is is incredible. And a lot of these other people that are that have the wherewithal to immediately take a picture of what they're seeing or video. Um, you know, we and also we live in an age where video could be faked. We all know this. Um, but there are those handful of videos that you look at. They're like, wow, that's that's really interesting. Um, you know, and we go way back to Betty and Barney Hill. I mean, the first UFO mm -hmm. abduction case. I mean, Barney today, I just saw Peter Robbins just uh, put something on uh, Facebook that Barney Hill would have been 100 today. Um, it was his birthday. But, you know, they were the first uh, a UFO, UFO abduction case in September of 1961. And this is an interracial couple. They didn't want yeah. to have any kind of publicity. But yet here we are today still talking about it. You know, which is which I love. That's why I love the paranormal, because it just it's it's just a fascinating subject. And we're always trying to find those answers. And we always you know, we leave these cases with sometimes with more questions than answers. But we get a little closer to the truth, you know, and uh, and that's why it's always ongoing, whether it be Bigfoot, UFOs, Dogman, anything. Betty and Barney Hill, if people haven't heard the audio of Barney describing oh, what happened it'll to bring him. You, you, it'll bring you to tears. I mean, it's- Yeah, it, it, it is horrendous. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, just that that audio alone, the hypnosis sessions that uh, Dr. Benjamin Simon put both of them under was, I mean, you could hear, I mean, there was just uh, uh, the sheer terror that they were going through. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a great shock doc as well on that on that Barney uh, Betty and Barney Hill investigation, um, and it's on I want to say it's on the on uh, Travel Channel I think or no I'm sorry it's on Discovery Plus. If you okay. if people get a chance to check that out, they did that and Travis Walton's story, which was phenomenal. I had the pleasure of talking to uh, Calvin Parker, who was the 1973 Pascagoula. UFO encounter abductee, him and Charlie Hicks, another landmark case that was, oh my God, these guys, what they went through. And then were they went to the police station to tell them what happened to them. And then the, the police had a, a hidden recorder under the table while they were talking and they were still talking about what happened and they couldn't believe it. So this is one of those cases that if anybody has got a, gotten a chance to check out, it's the uh, Pascagoula UFO abduction. And uh, when you talk to Calvin, he's another guy that's really just down to earth and great guy to talk to, who is still to this day over 40 years later trying to figure out what happened to him. Yeah. Well, and it becomes it becomes a bit of a mission, you know, when something like this goes on and there's unanswered questions. And Mike, we've talked about this on the show before with with your alien experience. You know, mm -hmm. it really does it leave you with a perpetual question of, you know, there's this piece of your life that isn't it that, that hasn't been talked about or or solved there's no closure mm -hmm, exactly um and that ufo encounter that i had in 2016 that was and then we you see a lot of these programs and i'm like wow that's exactly what we saw 
And just real quick, we were going, my girlfriend and I were going over this bridge in New Jersey, uh, from Pennsylvania over into New Jersey uh, in a little town called Center Bridge. And it's right outside of an area called New Hope, Pennsylvania. And we're going over the bridge and it's going over the Delaware. We're again, washing across the Delaware. And so we're going over and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I look and all of a sudden five orange orbs just appeared. Oh, wow. These like plasma balls of light swirling around in the sky. And I was like, wow. So I'm fumbling around for my phone, trying to immediately try to take a picture of it. And of course I was, it, my flash goes off and then I had to reset it and stuff. But, um, but she's looking at it and she said they, they did like, it looked like they did a search pattern over the water and they were only two or 300 feet above the water. And it was just really low to the bridge. That's what really got me was like, why are these things so low? Um, but then one by one, they disappeared. But as I'm, and even my mind, as I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm still trying to debunk it. I'm going, well, there's a restaurant over there. Maybe they're, maybe they're Chinese lanterns, you know? And this is what happened. Is that what the mind does? They're, we're trying to discount mm -hmm. what we're actually seeing. Um, and so I'm looking at this and, and, I, and no, it couldn't have been Chinese lanterns because it was February. It was midweek. The place was closed and it was cold. So I'm thinking that there could have been a wedding or something that people were lighting them off, but it was, I was, I managed to get one picture and I'll tell you, it was, it was amazing night. And I'm still, you know, we're still wrapping our heads around it. Um, and about a week later, she, and I didn't tell you this Morgan, about a week later, I was on a gig and she lived at the time, rented a little farmhouse um, in Stockton, New Jersey. And this place was, I love this place. It was great because it was on 65 acres and it was like all open land and you've got like you know there was a field in the front of the house and in the hay like in the in the grass in front of the house she saw a bouncing ball of light like a plasma ball of white light just bouncing in the front of the field and it was almost like it was almost like that mitch miller thing remember when it was like you know uh, did you ever see that where you're like singing to the bouncing yep. ball did you ever Yep. <laughs> and it was similar. It was, she said, was similar to that. Um, and then it disappeared. And so I was like, wow, it was, and if she would have gone outside, I would have loved to have seen if that was shit. There was no way she was going outside, but it would have been great to, to see that. I would have loved to have been there to see that, but there was a lot of strange activity going on. And then you're talking about the calling into the paranormal. And then here we are that October of 2016 is when I started my show. Yeah. And, you know, it was just like, maybe subconsciously, this was like saying, well, you know, this, this, these stories need to be told. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I can so relate to, to what you're saying. And, and just to, to backtrack a little bit, it, it's funny that you were talking about the, the, the dog man and, and the tree because here, and this actually might be a little bit of a piece of the puzzle for, for the Alberta one, um, in the woods on this property, the one thing that the, a lot of us have noticed is that you'll be walking through and there's these very strange tree breaks and mm. i mean this is alberta prairie i mean we don't have anything that's <laughs> out here mm. that's gonna it's gonna do that we've it's just other than snow load in the winter time you'll get trees that are bent over and broken because of snow load sure. but um yeah like we i remember distinctly the one day we were just walking through and we were pointing out all the different weird tree breaks and they would be way at the top of trees that were completely healthy um that were just the the tops or something like that were just literally snapped in half 
Um, and they'd be hanging or we'd find these huge branches, like, you know, six foot plus branches that were quite thick. And they would be stuffed on a tree that it didn't belong to, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet up a tree. And it like no way of these things getting up there. Like this wasn't a, a situation where, you know, wind blew it up there or something. These were huge branches. And sure. we were, and yeah, and the, we've noticed that so many times over the over the last number of years, and we've we've always thought that it might have something to do with with old Snoopy, but um, uh, you know, just your your story about that one catching the bird has oh, really yeah. starts to make some sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and that's and I I love that because you know we're all all of these clues. You know, it's like that's why you know in my yearbook, in my high school yearbook, I wanted to be a detective. So in my in my yearbook, I said detective career plans. And then underneath that, it said jazz pianist career plans, too. <laughs> so I feel like I, I feel like I've achieved both of those. I'm a uh, I'm a paranormal detective and a jazz musician. So, so <laughs> it's OK. I'm but, a fire breather and a paranormal researcher. I mean, you can't top that. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm not even going to try. Yeah. <laughs> people don't believe me. But, it's so funny because people literally do not. It, I'll, I'll turn around and tell them, you know, like, well, what do you do? I'm like paranormal researcher. And they can usually, they're they're okay with that. And then when they ask me, well, what do you, what else do you do? What do you do for fun? And then I tell them that and I lose them. Like you can see the look on their face. They're just like, wow, she's literally yeah. lying to my face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's funny because it's crazy because people just can't, you know, that's everyone's so structured, right. With the nine to five and just the regular way of, you know, living and whatnot. But they don't believe in the the fantastic possibilities of you it being able to make a living doing fantastic things. Yeah, and that's the that's the goal. Like uh, you know, yeah. like we all, you know all of us here have have you know pursued what we love, and mm -hmm. you know whether it be you know with with Mike it was dark poutine with you know me it was with with entity seeker you know with you it's this. I mean it's it's so neat that so many people have that calling and that passion and are willing to really throw themselves into what they what they love to do and are aren't willing to accept anything less and i i think that it's just a testament to 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 this field in general it's it's yeah. super cool but i i think so too i and i'm so glad that we all connected too because that's uh that's what it's all about and it's connecting and, and getting those good people in your life you know like that absolutely yeah, absolutely sure. i mean we <laughs> how many times have we said that mike <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> every show <laughs> every show eric this yeah. has been amazing um when Thank you where so can people find you let them know um and we're going to add all the links and things like that to to the show notes and social media as well once this uh, airs so and hopefully a song and a song Absolutely. yes yes i will definitely be sending you that i i like i said earlier i wrote a tune called bigfoot and uh, i will go ahead and send that to you but yeah People could find us on Facebook uh, at uh, Eric Mintel Investigates, also at regular Eric Mintel. Um, they could find a lot of our videos there. They find a lot of our videos on YouTube uh, at Eric Mintel Investigates. And if anyone has a smart TV, you could actually download um, Princeton Television uh, onto your app, onto your, onto your smart TV. Uh, either Princeton Television or Central New Jersey Network. Uh, it's both of those now. Uh, and they could see my show every Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Uh, or I'm sorry, Saturday night at 11 o'clock. And uh, they play all my videos. But So we're available on Roku, Amazon, Fire, all those different uh, outlets. And uh, 
So, you know, if people don't have, you know, computers or YouTube or, or anything like that, but, um, and then they can find my jazz quartet uh, at ericmintelquartet.com if they like jazz and like a lot of original music that we're playing. We, we do a lot of tributes to Dave Brubeck and around the holidays, we do Charlie Brown jazz where we do a lot of the music. Oh, of I love it. Yeah. And it's just, it's been a family tradition for years and we do a lot of original holiday music as well. So, uh, and the guys in my group, we've been together over 20 years, you know, and uh, I say that we've been lo together longer than most marriages. <laughs> <laughs> that says something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but what, what a pleasure, guys. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. And Morgan, you are such a joy to talk to oh, and, uh, and always to have on my show. My only thing is we need to have a TV show together, guys. We've got to get out there get out in the field yeah. and do something together yeah i i would love that i'd love to i'd love to get down there and and yeah. visit with with you guys and, and visit with uh with old wolfie down there and have you guys come Absolutely. up here and come visit snoopy <laughs> so if, if there's yeah if there's any wealthy philanthropists out there you know you know who to call <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly thank you eric you hey guys you guys have a great night thank you again awesome now here's bigfoot by the Eric Mintel Quartet.
Here's Morgan for this episode's segment of Spiritual Health Care. In this episode's edition of Spiritual Health Care, the segment of the show where you get to be the creator and designer of your paranormal and spiritual experience, we're going to tell you about a process called finding presence. This is another great process for finding peace and bringing a sense of connectedness and spirit throughout your day no matter how busy you are. The best way to begin this process is to find a tree or other living thing in nature. Flowers are also a great beginning point. As you take a few deep breaths, begin to observe the flower, but remove the label of flower. Observe it as if you had not ever seen one before. Look at it from the place of non-judgment when you quiet your mind. If thoughts arise, let them go, and return to the tree or the flower. You can do this with inanimate objects as well, but it is often easier to do it with nature because it has the sense of aliveness you can easily observe. As you look, focus on your breath, and again, remove any labels like this is a tree or leaves or petals, and just observe the plants in their full, whole state of being. You will find the simple act of finding the presence of majesty will bring you in deep touch with your own spirit. You need nothing to be happy, but you need something to be sad. Remember, at the end of seeking, all is consciousness. Stay in peace, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Supernatural Circumstances a co-production of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings and Good Egg Studios. This podcast is part of the Curious Cast podcast network. Theme music by Corey Johnson of Catalyst Records in Edmonton, Alberta. You can find out more about Morgan Knudsen at entityseeker.ca and more about me and listen to my other show at darkpatine.com. Feel free to email the show at supernaturalcircumstances at gmail.com. Good night for now.